want to thank everyone for joining us. It is November. There's a particular holiday in November that we generally celebrate. And sometimes we think it has a lot to do with food and family. And honestly, for some of us, without those things, we kind of feel like our holiday isn't complete. But I want to challenge us, not just this month, not just this holiday, but to make a change in how we view things and start to see things a little differently in the world. You guys have heard the saying, attitude of gratitude, right? Now let's be realistically honest with each other. How many of us live in a perpetual state of thanksgiving, right? How many of us are always thankful for whatever life deals our way? In the spirit of all honesty, we are in church. How many of us may find it a struggle? You know, we even sing that song. It says, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, still I will say, right? How many of us find it a little harder, though, to still say, blessed be the name of the Lord? Thank you, Lord, for the difficulty you are giving me. Thank you for the fact that the car wouldn't start this morning. Thank you for the fact that I was walking and this started raining. Thank you for the phone not working. Thank you for, and you can fill in the blanks, right? And if we are, in fact, saying thank you for those things, we're probably doing it with a different tone in our voice, aren't we? Have you ever said it to someone else? You know, we're weren't really thanking them for what they were doing. Well, thank you. Yeah? How many of you guys have ever said something like that? Or sometimes when we're helping somebody and they don't say thank you. You're welcome, right? Because we don't feel like our gesture was appreciated enough. You ever think maybe God feels like that? Because do we really thank him? We thank you, Lord, that we got up this morning, right? We thank you that we made it here. We thank you for whatever. But we really don't take the time to thank him for the small things, do we? And I'm not going to sit here and tell you to catalog it and make a list of all the blessings in your life that God gives you because honestly we both know that that is something we should be aware of and I am not saying that if you were to sit there and take the time to write it down every single day every moment of the day every time God does something for you that your faith will grow by leaps and bounds And you will automatically, because of this practice, learn to have a more positive outlook on life. 
God will bless you, and you will have the embodiment of an attitude of gratitude. You know why? Because it's just a piece of paper. An attitude is something we do. And honestly, an attitude comes a lot with how we react to situations. And sometimes our reaction is an action that takes place without thinking. How many of us have ever reacted to a situation and then gone, oh, oops, shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have done this instead, or I definitely should have done this instead. I probably should have said this instead. How many of us can put ourselves in that boat where we react without thinking? That's why it's an attitude adjustment that needs to take place. In order to truly have an attitude of gratitude, we need to start changing how we look at the very world around us. How we view things, how we see things, how our interactions with people, things, places, how they play out in even our mind. Because I'm not talking about paying lip service to God about everything he's done for you. I mean, that's great, all good and well. But I'm talking about recognizing it in your heart. And the Bible tells us that out of the overflow of the heart, right, is what we will come out of the mouth. So, I'm talking about where we are in our lives. What do we think? What are we saying when we don't think anyone's listening? <laughs> when we're not in church and being asked to give a testimony of how the Lord's been good. When we're stuck in traffic, when we're walking in the rain and getting wet. And let's be honest, we may know those bubbly personality types where they do kind of, you just kind of wonder what's wrong with them. They're always happy. Kind of wonder, why are you in such a good mood? And then sometimes they'd be like, I just am, and you're like, oh my, then maybe nothing ever goes wrong in their lives, right? It's because of their attitude. And so we're going to spend some time this month of Thanksgiving looking at how to adjust our very attitude so that it can be a true reflection. You know, they say to develop a habit, you have to do something so many times, right? To develop an attitude, this outlook of gratitude, of viewing the world through different lenses, through lenses of gratitude. It's going to be a work in progress, but we're going to give you some points and keys to work on to help you get there.
Now, we're going to talk about going forward in Thanksgiving. Want to read along in the text? We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. That's 2 Corinthians. Chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. And it says, You'll be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many acts of thanksgiving to God. They will glorify God for your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with others through the proof provided by the service. And they will have deep affection for you in their prayers on your behalf because of the surpassing grace of God in you. And thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There's a story from the 19th century. A wealthy woman named Babette was in Paris, and she fell on hard times. How many of us can identify with falling upon hard times? Right? She used to have a very important position. She was a head chef at a cafe. But when stuff happened, she had to flee. She was left penniless with no place to go. Through circumstances beyond her control. We can kind of identify with that, can't we? An acquaintance took pity upon her and sent her to Denmark, a small coastal village. And she appeared on the step of two sisters named Martine and Philippa, who agreed to take her in if she would work for them. She worked for them for 14 years just to earn her keep. But they didn't know what to think of her, what to make of her. She was a single woman, just like the two sisters were. But she still wore her beautiful dresses from when she was a woman in demand in society in Paris. And it was a sharp contrast to what the other sisters were wearing. And because of that, because she stood out, she was different. And she may have been better dressed. They weren't that nice to her. They thought she was a little haughty, a little worldly. And they would snicker behind her back 
when she would style her hair before she went out to milk the cows. One day, as Babette's working for them, she's informed that she's recently come into some money, 10,000 francs to be exact, which was almost a virtual fortune back then. Keeping it to herself, though, she announced that she was going to make a meal for the entire congregation of these people who had taken her in. Even though it was only about a dozen people or so. But she wasn't going to make them the meal they were used to eating every day. You see, Babette was a chef in France at a very, very nice restaurant. So she was going to make them the kind of meal that she would have served when she was a chef. She ordered in the supplies she needed. And as they seen what was being delivered, there was a ripple of amazement and excitement. They didn't know what to think as their pantry was full of luxurious French food. <laughs> and they honestly were even a little worried that, you know, by eating such rich foods, they were sunning and gluttony. But she prepared her feast for them. The invited guests came to the home of the sisters who had taken her in. And even the friend who had sent her there was there in town. And as the dinner passed, they ate in silence, fearing that to enjoy such rich food, when they had taken a vow to live such plain lives, would even be a sin. The opera singer, however, he enjoyed his food. This is the kind of stuff he was used to. Seeing how it reminded him of the luxurious foods he used to enjoy when he himself was an on-demand singer. Maybe even something he had enjoyed when he had gone to visit his friend Babette at her restaurant. Now, wasn't just one course, multiple courses were served, and as they ate, they began to be cheerful. And then it was announced that Babette had come into some money. The sisters that she was working for said, well, are you going back to Paris now that you're wealthy? And she simply said no. You see, she had spent her entire fortune preparing the feast for that one day for all the members of the congregation. After that initial shock, Babette's Feast, also the name of a film that the story was based on, was enjoyed even more by the sisters and the congregation as they recognized the sheer graciousness of the dinner. Everything she had was spent on this last lavish meal, but she didn't see it that way. These were people who had taken her in, and even though she had worked for it, even though they may have talked about her and snickered about her behind her back, they at least 
took her in and helped her out when she needed it. They gave her a place to stay. And for 14 years, she had somewhere to be. And she did it as a way of giving thanks to them. And in return, they fully accepted her into the community. For they were able to see the grace and graciousness that Babette had showed them. Now, none of us will probably ever enjoy a meal that costs that much. But whatever we get, whatever meals we may enjoy, <laughs> it may be a time of gracious giving and thankful receiving. In Corinthians, Paul was promoting the importance of generosity and giving with a cheerful heart as an act of grace. He points out three main truths. Grace from God comes as a gift. God's grace promotes grace in and among other people, and that grace returns to God in the form of thanks. And so, today we hope to learn how God's grace and his command for us to give generously and graciously to one another will be the step to transform our attitude so that we can truly live in an attitude of gratitude. Because a thankful person and a gracious person, a person who is the embodiment of that phrase, can be a powerful magnet that draws people into a relationship with God. Because let's be honest, we see those people who are happy or smiling all the time and we want to know why, right? And what if we could give that gift to someone? The gift of grace comes from God as a gift. Now, Paul is writing to the Corinthians with hope that they will supply him with a financial church gift that he will give to a fledgling church in Jerusalem. So he's asking them to give generously, to donate for another church that he's opening. And he says in earlier chapters, in chapter 9, that he was boasting to the Macedonian believers about just how good the people in Corinthians are in their giving. How nice and supportive they would be in the work. And he hopes that when he sends those responsible to collect the gift from the church in Corinthians, that, you know what, his boasting of their generosity won't prove false. He's making this claim that believers of Christ should be generous. That the reason they are generous is because God was generous to them. He's generous in pouring out his grace. And that God's grace is an undeserved favor. A favor that comes to us through a Savior. Through Jesus. 
salvation or being saved from the penalty of sin is not only possible because of Jesus Christ making an atonement on the cross at Calvary, but doctrine of the Salvation Army, number eight, in fact, says we are justified by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that he that believeth hath the witness in himself. That sacrificial act on behalf of God was an act of grace. And Paul wants to make that clear to Corinthians, that grace only comes from God, and that God only gives it as a gift. It's not something we ever pay for, and it's not something we can achieve for our own merit. It is truly a gift. And how nice does that feel, to receive a gift? Because sometime in today's society, we have placed an emphasis not on gift-giving, but gift-exchanging, where if you give me something, then I give you something, right? You know, or sometimes even we feel obligated. Well, they gave me this, so I in turn must return this gift. <laughs> or even we, when we give a gift, kind of think along those lines. Have we ever found ourselves thinking negatively because we gave a gift to somebody and never received anything back? But God's grace is a true gift. We have a tendency because of the gift to pass over grace, to assume that we know everything there is to know about it, but grace isn't something just to be learned. It's something to be experienced. When you are aware of your own sinfulness before God, when you experience those rare moments in your soul where you know that <laughs> you're unclean before the Holy Spirit, and still you feel love, acceptance, and forgiveness from Him. When you can know that no matter how broken you are, He loves you. That's Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Right? Philip Yancey in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, says, Grace means there is nothing I can do to make God love me more. But there's also nothing I can do that will make God love me less. It means that I, even I, whom can deserve the opposite, I'm invited to take my place at the table of God's family. That we, however undeserving we are, can call ourselves part of the family of God. Now, honestly, if you were Babette, let's admit it, you probably heard their snickering, snide remarks about you and your haughty ways and your fancy clothes, and who do you think you are? Don't you know that you're no better than the rest of us? But it didn't faze her. And who knows, maybe those brought her joy. But would we have thrown a feast using an inheritance that we could have used to go in and do our own thing? 
to better our own selves, to serve our own purposes? Or would we have used it graciously, given thanks to a people who had helped us, however ungraciously they may have helped us to start with? we are challenged to live with that kind of attitude of graciousness, of gratitude. We learn it from Jesus, who on the cross says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And in Paul, in Corinthians, he's saying, you know, they may not have had a whole lot of money, but he's saying, God is good to you. And here are people who are worse than even you. Remember God's grace in your life. And pass it on. To pay it forward is a saying. And that's the second thing. God's grace prompts grace in and among people. beginning of verse 11 it says you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion because of the service by which you have proved yourself men will praise God for your obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else and in their prayers for you their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you now, he says, you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. Paul's not saying that you're going to strike the lottery so that you can give it away to charity. I remember back when the Powerball got crazy high and everybody was buying tickets and they go, well, what would you do if you won and how would you spend the money? And I felt like everyone had a pat answer, oh, we'll do this, this, and this, and of course, we'll give some to charity. A part of having graciousness as an attitude is seeing beyond that. There should never be an of course we will. because it should be part of the very who we are. Think about that. God pouring his blessing on us so that in turn, we can be a blessing to others. We have our testimony times here that we do at every service, right? Our praise reports, and I like to do them before we even do our prayer concerns to remind ourselves of his faithfulness. But here's the importance of sharing things like that. Take a look around you. How well do you know the person? Do you know their struggles? Do you know their life story? Do you know what they've gone through? 
You never know when your own struggles can be a source of encouragement to someone else. When the grace that God has shown you in your life can be a sense of hope for someone else who is awaiting to receive that grace from God in their lives. The tighter we hold on to the things that God has blessed us with, the more they'll leak out, and these amazing gifts may even end up going to waste. But when God pours his grace out upon us, we should treat it like kidney gardeners and show and tell. You know, if you got something you really enjoyed, you couldn't wait to bring it to school so that you could tell everybody about it, right? One of your favorite times may have been the show and tell period after Christmas because you always had that one favorite toy and you just couldn't wait to show it off to everybody. Or if you had something special that meant something and you just couldn't wait to tell people about it, right? This was your favorite because of. And sadly, as we get older, we kind of twist that whole theme of show and tell. And it becomes more like a boasting session. And we even lose focus on who's providing it for us. And we start to say, well, look what I got. Look what I did. Look what I can do. Right? And we expect people to look at us in amazement on those things. When in truth, we would, should be saying, <laughs> look at how God has been faithful to me even when I <laughs> haven't been faithful to him as much as I should be. Or look at what God has let me do in his name, through his power for him. Me, however undeserving I may be of being shown this. Look what he has done for me. And then the tell part is simple. And he can do the same for you. When we are of service to one another, we have proved ourselves. And men will praise God for our obedience that accomplishes or that accompanies our confession of the gospel of Christ. For our generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. By being generous. We are delivering a powerful witness to others of the gospel of Christ.
a gospel that has the power to change lives. By sharing grace with one another, we have the power to change the world because it's his power and his grace. Because you never know how people are going to react to that change. We teach the children a little song. It says about Zacchaeus. A wee little man, right, who climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. And who was he looking to see? Jesus, right? Who called him down from the tree and said, guess what, we're going to your house for dinner. And how many of us are like in the crowd, though, that heard that and go, why is he more deserving than the rest of us? Dude, does Jesus even know who he is? He was a tax collector, and <laughs> they didn't have the best reputation. Most of that reputation was earned and deserved just by the way they acted. They were cheats. They had corrupt business backings. But it, Jesus said, I don't care. I'm going to his house for dinner. And just being there, that very fact that God looked down on him and said, you know what? That's who. And Jesus called him down from the tree and said, out of all these people, we're going to your house to eat. He was convicted and changed. He said, I'm giving away half of my wealth to the poor, and if I cheated anybody... Here's where it gets interesting. He doesn't say, and if I cheated anybody, I'm going to pay it back. Instead, he says, and if I cheated anybody, I will pay them back four times that amount. There's been a lot of talk about people in recent society and who they are as a person. But let us never forget. Jesus called him down from the tree. And in doing so, showed him grace. And through that grace, changed his heart. And when Zacchaeus' heart was changed, when he was extended that gift of grace... He paid that grace forward. Above and beyond even. Because he was convicted. Generosity, given, sharing, they're all acts of grace. Verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 9 said, And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Acts of grace stir people up to pray. Prayer said for you and about you are a blessing to you, right? 
There's a song that says, somebody's praying and I can feel it. They're praying for me, right? You ever felt that? There's nothing like knowing that whatever burden you're going through, somebody is praying for it. That they're remembering your name in prayer. That they remember you in whatever struggles you may be dealing with. We all need each other's prayers. And the beauty of prayers offered on behalf of one another to God is... would pen these words. Someone who went to the throne of heaven, somebody lifted my name, bringing me into his holy presence and saying what I could not say. Somebody showed me the his mercy when darkness was all I could see. Somebody pleaded the blood of Jesus. Somebody prayed. When we show grace, we will receive grace in return. And we have been given such a free gift from God, right? So why should we hold it in? When we are only going to be blessed more abundantly by sharing. Grace returns to God in the form of thanks. And the final thing that Paul mentions in Corinthians is that grace returns to God in the form of thanks. We've talked about beginning to change our very attitudes about how we view the world developing this attitude of gratitude that people talk about and how it's more than just sitting down and counting our blessings and making a list or naming them one by one but it's about changing how we view things when we show grace give grace to others It's a way of giving thanks to God in order to truly have this attitude of gratitude. Gratitude, graciousness. It needs to stem from grace. Paul links grace and thanksgiving very closely together in his writings. In fact, it's said that the proper response to God's expressing of, of grace is thanksgiving to him. Now, we may live in an age where it's, we can celebrate people who are the fastest, the strongest, the best at what they do. Right? You ever catch a few minutes of TV... And your senses will be bombarded with messages telling you to just do it. Go ahead. Indulge yourself. Striving to get you to purchase things, possess things, own things, because you're worth it, 
or you deserve it, right? Grace teaches us that we don't deserve it. We don't deserve the costliest gift that was ever purchased for us. And that was the gift of God's salvation. And yet we've already said it's free, right? We don't need to save up our money. We don't need to save up our paychecks. We don't need to put it on a credit card that we have to worry about paying off. It's given freely. In response to being given such a gift, being shown such grace, we can only express our thanksgiving. Now, interestingly enough, that's all God's expecting. In exchange for such a free gift, it's what we can offer him. Our thanks. So do we stand before God today as a thankful people? Are we ready to prepare our very minds, our hearts, our souls to be transformed? So that we can become the very embodiment of that phrase, it's a little cliche, it's a little catchy, but it has so much more deeper meaning than we may attribute to it. Are we ready to change our very attitude, the way we look at the world, the way we see things, into an attitude of gratitude, to be gracious, to understand what grace is, where it comes from, God so free that all we all he asks in return is for our thanks, for our praises. A grace that's so abundant that when we give it to others, we get it in return. And when we give it in return, that's when our thanks are lifted up to the Lord. And we can fulfill that part by giving him praise, by giving him thanks. It's so much more, so much beyond just recognizing the blessings he gives us each and every day. But recognizing that without his grace, we are nothing. And that if we can't share his grace with somebody else, then whatever we do in our lives is nothing. Grace is the key. Whatever we hold in our lives, whatever importance it may be, let us surrender it unto him. 
for recognizing that everything, everything is a gift of grace, however big or small in our lives. It's all part of God's grace in our lives and not something we deserve. We're going to play a song, and as it plays, just take this time to prepare your heart, your soul, your minds, that you may begin to change your very attitude. into an attitude that reflects the grace God has shown us. And one another. And so, as the music plays, I you to just take this time in prayer.
Father, we just come before you right now. Prepare our hearts, our minds, our souls, Lord. We thank you for your grace, and may we be able to go forth this day and every day thankful for your grace and sharing that grace with others, Lord. May you help us to change the very way we look at the world around us. And help us to see them through you and to share your grace with the world that needs it. We just ask all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.